You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. So now we're going to get into 1 Peter. And I believe that this is a timely message in light of what I just shared. What did I basically share? We need to pray. We need to gather. We need to see possibly churches get planted out of these kind of community um, gatherings that we're having. It's just giving us some ideas in that way. But it also stems into one main criteria and why we do this. We do it out of love. We do it out of a love for God and a love for others. And today we're looking at how do we love to the limit and, and the example that we've seen in Christ in that. And so in chapter 1, verse 22, we're going to start reading right there. It says in, in verse 22, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now I just want to stop there. We're going to continue on in a few moments. But encourage you to even write this down in your notes. Kids, you can write this down as well. As you have your kids' packs, and you can be following along this morning as well or have your notes um, downloaded from the online lobby. We love to the limit. Write this down. We love to the limit because of the gospel. We love to the limit because of the gospel. Now, when Peter is saying this, he says these words. Look at again verse 22. It says, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, he's talking about the gospel here. That's when a person understands and responds to God's effectual call upon their life. And I'm going to explain what that all means. It's understanding. It has a clear understanding that we have all sinned and have fallen short of God's standard of holiness and perfection. It's understanding we've done wrong. We've hurt others. We've said things. We've done things that have been selfish, that have been hurtful. We've rebelled against God. We've all done that. And because of this, we are sinners and we have sinned and we are thus, because of that, eternally separated from God. And there's no way that you and I, no good works, anything we could try to do to reconcile that relationship. But God, in understanding this, God who is so great in his love and his mercy, sent his one and only son, the second person of the Trinity, to this earth taking on human flesh, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, dying in our place on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty. He took the wrath that should have been coming our way and his own blood was shed. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death. And for all who accept this in their, in, in their minds, have an understanding of this, and then applying this to their heart and accept his sacrifice and, and believe on the name of Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior, they will never die. In, in the last breath that a person who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their last breath here on this earth, in a split second, in the next moment in eternity with God forever. And today, if you have never called out to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're tired of living life your way, or you've been living, as we heard in Terry's testimony, kind of one foot in, one foot out, kind of in and out, but today could be that day where you need to declare Christ. You need to turn from your sin. Turn from your way, your agenda. That might mean turning from a relationship for a season or forever and working on your relationship with Jesus. It's admitting that you are a sinner and as you ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you and to save you, <clears throat> and by surrendering your life to Jesus by faith, 
trusting him as your Lord and Savior, you become a child of God. And it's in that moment of salvation, you have been purified positionally before God. And that's what Peter's talking about here. We've been purified. God no longer sees our sin. What he sees is Christ's righteousness applied to our sin, and he sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. And so Peter is saying on that basis, because of God's love for us and to us, in response of God's love, we are to love others. We are to love without limits. First, Peter, First John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love, we love others, we love one another because he first loved us. And that is one of the many commandments that we have in the New Testament towards loving one another. And here Peter says, the last part of verse 22, look at your Bible, make sure you're looking at your Bible, it says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, in English we have one word for the word love. And I might say something like, I love Jesus, I love my wife, I love my family, I love cherries, I love egg salad sandwiches, and so on. I love the Edmonton Oilers, playoff run. I love the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, don't think they're going to be playing this year. I love Jesus, I love these trivial things. How does that all measure up? Well, in Greek, in the original language that the New Testament was written in, there are many words for love. And some of you know this, but it's good that we remind ourselves of this because sometimes our love can be rather shallow for God and for others. And there's one love that we are to have for God, from God, but also a one kind of love that we are to have for one another. There's one word in Greek that is used. It's used in the Bible. It's used um, throughout in, in Greek, and it's eros. It is an affectionate love. And I think we have those notes uh, for you there. And, and eros is an aff- affectionate love, uh, uh, if love, so to speak. And, and, and it's kind of a, a passionate love. It is a, oftentimes a sexual love. It's often a very selfish love as well. It's a conditional love. I love you if I find you attractive. I love you if you do this for me. I will love you in return and show affection. I will love you but this kind of love may not necessarily endure wrinkles or poor health or difficulties. Eros love is not a way that you can build a lasting relationship. But then we have a second kind of love we see in Scripture and we experience in our lives. We have phileo, uh, where we get Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. And, and this is a brotherly love, it's a, but it's also a because love. I love you because of who or what you are. You are my brother, you are my sister, you're in my church, so I love you. It's oftentimes an emotional love, it's an intellectual love, it's a physical, because of physical relationship that we love someone. I love you because you're in my small group, you're on my sports team, I guess I kinda have to love you, I have to get along with you. It's not as shallow as Eros love, but it's still oftentimes very conditional and incredibly self-centered. You tick me off and we're done. And so it's often a because love. But then there is agape love, which is a anyways love, an unconditional love. It is the love that God has for us as his children. And this is the kind of love that we are to have for, for one another. And, and, and this is a love that has a deep concern for a person and for their well-being. And this is, again, the kind of love that God has that we see in the word of God. We see it here in this passage how we are to love one another with this agape love. And we have many other commands in the New Testament towards this. We are to strive for this love. 
Now, notice it also says, love one another. It's like, can't this verse ever end? It's, it's saying a lot here. But it says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Notice a pure heart, not being selfish. We live to give of ourselves to others, not with self-centered motives or self-selfish reasoning. But this is an earnest love, or some translations will say a fervent love, love fervently. And this is a, this earnestness or fervently is a stretching, straining kind of love, like an athlete that is stretching for the finish line, giving it, just, pour, just laying it all out there in order to win, in order to, to, to win the prize. Well, in the same way, our earnest love is a stretching love. It's going to stretch us. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be easy at times. Now, it's pretty easy to love some people, right? And, um, and it's pretty easy to not love some people. And I'm sure that all of us could easily come up uh, with a list of 10 people, even 10 Christians, maybe even 10 people in our church, that you just really find hard to love. And you go, 10? I could fill up a whole page of people. You know, just get me going on this, and I can really, you know, this person really drives me nuts the way they do this, or this person, blah, blah, you know, and we go on and on. But, but then I also have to wonder, as you start thinking about this list, don't get too far, don't get too carried away in this, because you also have to wonder, hmm, how many lists would I appear on the, uh, that other people are making up, and uh, how many times would my name make it on there? And let's face it, folks, we will be offended by one another. We will at times be sinned against by other Christians. And it's not to happen, but it will happen. And, and that will happen to us, and we will do it at times to others. And yet, what do we do? We go back to the gospel. We extend the same grace, the same forgiveness that has been extended to us through Christ. That, that, that same love and that same mercy. This is how gospel communities work. This is how we love to the limit. We are to love one another with an unconditional, earnest love. And that is to be happening in the room where you are at today. And, and whether you are watching online from your living room, from a holiday spot, wherever it might be that you may be today, we are to love the brotherhood. We are to love brothers and sisters in Christ earnestly and unconditionally. And it's, this is where it starts. You know, I believe in many ways that one of the greatest evangelism tools or techniques, it starts by you and I loving earnestly one another. Yes, we are to love the lost. Yes, we are to go out and leave the 99 to reach the one. But when we're with the 99, we are to love one another earnestly. It starts in the body of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But as I said, there can be such a divide in the church of Jesus Christ these days. Many different opinions even at Hope Kelowna, re- opinions and convictions and thoughts regarding the pandemic, regarding to gather or not to gather, you name it. I mean, we can all vary in, 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 in our beliefs and in our convictions. And yet we ought to love one another, respect one another. And I believe that we are doing this in a great way, but I just want to up the standard just want to encourage us in this way as we continue on through the summer months, as we continue on as a church, that we would love one another and treat others who have differing views than us, that we would treat one another in love and in great respect. And I know what some of you are probably thinking 
I can't love like that. I tried. I failed. I can't do it. Some people just drive me crazy. There's just no way I can do it. It's like, you're right, you can't. But if you are in Christ, you have that ability to be able to love in the way that we're talking. And that takes us to the second point here that we see. Secondly, we can love to the limit because it is in our DNA. It's in our DNA to be able to love like this. Look at verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, but the, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I kind of skipped over 24. We'll get to that in a moment. Now, we cannot love unconditionally and earnestly in our own power. We just can't do it. But we can love without limits because if we are in Christ, the seed of love has been implanted in every believer. At the moment of salvation, that has happened by the Holy Spirit, by the imperishable abiding word of God. You see, when we are born physically, we are born of corruptible, born of a corruptible seed. From our physical parents, we will... Because we have physical bodies, we will perish one day. We are all doomed to death. Sorry, that's just the reality, but it's the, and, and it's the truth. And you know, it's kind of interesting when you see people in their 20s, their 30s, and then in their 80s or 90s, you see pictures of them, perhaps in photo albums or wherever it might be, and you go, wow, is that you? And, and here the thing is, Peter is quoting from Isaiah 40, where he says, all flesh, and that means that's you and me. That's our physical bodies. That, that's us right here. That's, 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 that's who we are. All flesh are like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fail. But it goes on to say, but the word of God stands forever. Now, isn't it amazing how just a tiny little seed that had went into the ground in the month of April or May here in this region, can bring forth so much produce and so much beauty, whether it be flowers or vegetables or fruit. Just look at some of these pictures that some of you sent in. Friday, I just kind of put a call out to, to the online lobby and some of you, and just as we scroll through these, just a whole bunch of them. Thank you, everyone, for sending them. And, and, and part of the reason we did this, too, was we just wanted to inspect your gardens to make sure there wasn't any... Um, uh, illegal substances being grown. That, that greenhouse one is uh, suspect, but I went and did a, a check on that just recently, so it's all good. It's all of these beautiful flowers, all these beautiful gardens that we're seeing, all started from just a little seed. And, and just amazing, the height and the beauty and, and just the color and the fruitfulness of these things. And, and uh, just again, you just see produce. Have, and again, the seeds were so tiny, so insignificant. Oh, we jumped ahead one there. And uh, the very last one here, uh, now we can go to it, um, doesn't look so good. Um, this got sent to us late in the day, and uh, it's uh, Chrissy Bankowski's. Um, anyways, I, and, and as you see, things like this uh, need watering. Let's just go back to the one previous, because look at how beautiful that is. Just look at the color, look at the garden. It's just so amazing, so beautiful. And, and, uh, and, and we see a single seed from these tiny plants, and then, uh, these are kind of some interesting pictures. Let's go to the first one, uh, on the next one there. Uh, for, since early May, I would stop, or am stopping every morning on my bike ride, and I get off my bike and I take a picture at this location. And so here we see the progress over the last few months from that location as I've been snapping pictures from relatively same place. 
where there was beautiful flowers and then right up until just today, we end up seeing the flowers are fading. And this is what it says, all flesh, it's like grass, it's like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers, the blooms fall off. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And here God's word is saying to us, the grass withers, but God's word stands forever. And, and what stands forever? It's the word of God, that seed planted into us. It's the word of God is eternal. And when we respond to the gospel, that imperishable seed, the Holy Spirit is planted into us, and, and, and that seed is the word of God. And you see, no one can be saved apart from the gospel, apart from the word of God. We owe our salvation to the word of God. And, and so we esteem and hold God's word in high regard. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How important it is, the word of Christ for our salvation. And you see, the word of God informs us that we are sinners but it also proclaims to us what Christ has done. And when we hear and then we receive the gospel, we receive the word of God into our lives, we surrender our lives to him by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, as I've already talked about today. In that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in, and in our lives, we are not only born again, but we are now made of imperishable seed, a seed that will never die. And God gives to us the eternal word of God that unites us to eternal life. That is the beauty of what we see here. And because of this imperishable seed is now in our DNA, we have the ability, because of the gospel and because of what has now been implanted to us by the Holy Spirit, the precious word of God, we now have the ability to love others without limits. But just in the same way that gardens... And flowers take great work and effort and discipline. We need the same when it comes to loving without limits. And this brings us to our final point here. It requires some deliberate action in order to love without limits. Some deliberate actions and longings. We've got to be very specific and very clear on this. And now we're into chapter 2 here. And, and it says, so put away all malice in verse 1, and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that, it, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here Peter is saying if, if indeed this imperishable seed has been implanted in your life, this is what you must do. You must do this with with, with determination, with discipline, with a desire towards these things. Here's how we grow and become mature, to become strengthened and to become more and more like Christ. And he tells us some things to put off. He tells us specifically, put off these things. Look at what he tells us to get rid of. And, and this putting it off is similar to like the putting off of old or dirty, torn, ripped, stinky clothes. Put it off. And we are then see what we're going to be putting on. But here's what he says to put off. We are to put off malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And instead, we are to put on. We are to put on the word of God. We are to crave the word of God. Look, it says in verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. 
You see, not only does God's word saves us, it helps us to grow in our relationship with him. It is what guides us and teaches us and trains us to love without limits. And you see, Peter here, as he's talking about milk, he's not contrasting it with milk and meat like we see in other places in God's word. We see in other places in the New Testament where milk is referred to as the basics for, for new believers, for new Christians, and, and, and meat is for maturing and for mature Christians. That's not what Peter's talking about here. Here he's using the imagery of, of milk and an infant that we would crave and we would want the Word of God just like that little infant. What does a little infant do when they're looking for the, f- from, f- for the milk? They're, wah, 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 and they cry until they get it. And in the same way, because they're saying, I'm hungry, feed me. And that's the same kind of hunger for God's Word that ought to mark our lives. You see, when you go to the doctor for yourself or maybe you're taking your sick child, a sign that is oftentimes something wrong or something that you're filling out on the charts and, and, you know, have these things happen if you're going for your physical and it will ask you about a loss of appetite. Or we'll at times go to the doctor, it's just like, my child just isn't eating, there's something wrong. And, And that is an important indicator to a doctor that when someone isn't hungry, when they don't want to eat, there's something going on. And so they will often, the doctor will order a battery of tests to find out what is going on. And folks, if you are a believer in Christ, and you yourself are not hungering for the Word of God, you're not in the Word of God on a regular basis, there is a problem. There is a problem, and it is an indicator that there is some sort of spiritual neglect. There's some idol. There's an area of sin. There's an addiction. There is a uh, distraction in your life, and this is causing disease. Now, physically, if we don't eat for a period of time, we die. Now, spiritually, if we do not eat from God's Word, we become very sick, and our relationship with God is greatly hindered. I like this quote. You might want to run it, write it down. Seven days without God's word makes one, makes one week. Isn't that true? Even one day without God's word starts to have a negative effect on our lives. John Piper, I like what he said recently. He said, one of the great issues of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove in the last days that prayerlessness or spending time in God's word was not from a lack of time. Don't you dare say you don't have time for God's word if you're on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever it might be. Or Spurgeon, he had this quote. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. You see, there's many good books out there. There's great preaching out there. Spurgeon was known as the, uh, one of the prince of preachers. And today we can click and we can listen to, 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 to great preaching from around the world from years ago to last Sunday. But folks, there is nothing better. There is no replacement. There's no additive better, anything better than the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Starting out the day or giving God the best part of your day opening the word, and before you do so, humbly praying and say, God, I want to meet with you today. God, would you meet me in your word today? Would your word be in my life what you know I need for this day? 
and with a humble approach, approach God in that way, approach your daily Bible reading. And as we do this, as we develop daily disciplines in God's Word, God's Word will grow in us, and, 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 and it will continue to grow. And with, this is where we need accountability from brothers and sisters in Christ. What are you learning? What are you studying in God's Word? And as we are in God's word, there's a daily strength to love without limits and so much more than that. Just listen to some of the things that God's word will do in your life. He will do in my life, that will do in the life of our church. Ephesians 5.26 talks about being washed in the word of God. God's word washes us. We get dirty, we get filthy, walking, working, living in this world. Filth and dirt that at times we don't even know is there. But God's word washes off. It washes off the dirt and the filth and there's a cleansing effect we are sanctified by the word john 17 17 jesus said that we are sanctified by his word god's word reveals his will for our lives god's word is vital to resist temptation that's how jesus resisted and fought and won against temptation if it's good enough for jesus being in the word to fight temptation i think it's good enough for you and me james 1 talks about god's word being a mirror it shows us who we really are and it tells us the truth. It's revealing the wrong motives and the wrong attitudes and the wrong actions in our lives. We could go on and on how it nurtures the understanding about the fear, about having a proper fear and reverence for God. God's word equips us daily for what we need. It is our source of joy and strength and it is our hope in eternal confidence. Oh, my prayer is that we be people of the word, that we be a church of prayer. We be families of church, uh, families and a church of people in the word of God in prayer. Because with the Spirit and the Word, we are able, enabled and we are empowered to love without limits. I wonder today when it comes to loving without, lim- loving without limits in our lives, who do we need to love? When it comes to putting off certain areas of sin, some of the things we talked about, things that the Holy Spirit is reminding of you, and putting on God's Word, what do you need to do in your life? Are there gaps in your life and things you need to repent of and you need to commit to. Let's pray together. God, I pray that even now, that as we allow your word to wash over us this morning, would there be areas of conviction in our lives that if somebody does not know you, that they would, today they would commit their lives to follow you and that they would soon follow in the steps of obedience and baptism. And God, I pray also too for um, us to be able to love brothers and sisters within the body of Christ here at Hope Kelowna, brothers and sisters in other churches across this region and in, in this land, that we would have an unusual uh, love, agape love for one another that would forgive, that would um, care for, that would serve, that would sacrifice for one another, and that we would see that the power and the strength to do this comes from your word and from your truth. God, we repent of those areas in our lives that we, uh, where we have fallen short, where we have sinned against you, we've sinned against others. And God, would we re- just return to, to these truths that we've heard today, asking for your help daily, being found empowered and strengthened by your Spirit through your Word daily. Do this work in us. It's only Christ in us where this is at all possible and in the end leads us faithfully home to heaven. May we be faithful in these areas, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.